Hi, my name is Michelle. I'm the operations manager from Bedford Open Door, a counselling service for young people aged 13 to 25. And we're here today to gather views and opinions to support our funding bid for a specialist counsellor for young people on the autistic spectrum. And we've got some families and young people joining us for this special event today. So, can you tell me what you what are you hoping to achieve from today in a conversation today? So today is part of um, our consultation because what we've found recently is we've had an increase in young people coming to us or being signposted to us who are looking for counselling who are on the autistic spectrum um, or are neurodivergent, which is the word that you (laughs) you were referring to. So um, with that, we're talking about ADHD and a number of of other conditions. Um, So... We've looked at our services in-house and, and identified that actually what we would really like to do is to have a specialist counsellor who's got the right skills and experience to be able to really properly support um, this particular group of young people. Um, and it comes from a personal passion because my own daughter um, has autism and we have other members of our family who are neurodivergent. So I really feel strongly that it's important that we put the right services in place place and one of the things we wanted to get from today is to think about what services are there locally and do people see it as a need is there a gap and how do we fit with other services and and really pleased that we've got local parent Kate joining us and another local parent Stacey and Stacey also works for another voluntary agency who Bedford Open Door work really closely with so so yeah that's the purpose of today to try and get some support for the funding bid and and to learn a bit about other people's experience. Okay, so I know we're going to talk to some parents today. So obviously, like like I said, it's the word that I had. I'm obviously I've heard of autism and ASD. So please, when you're talking to me, talk to me as if I'm I'm a five year old. Mm-hmm. Um, so you said that you're trying try, try, essentially trying to build a case to get some funding. Mm-hmm. So what are what services are actually available for neuro? Divergent or di- I want to say diversity. It's not diverse. Neurodivergent in Bedford, and is this across the board, or is this something that we're specifically lacking in Bedford? Well, from um, the mental health services, sort of the statutory services point of view, there there is provision for services. However. The experience, um, recent experience that I've had is that young people have been on waiting lists for considerable amounts of time and have either um, not met thresholds or not been offered a service within a timeline um, that's met their needs. Um, And we have found a lot of signposted referrals of young people who are coming to us for support who haven't had their needs met by other services, statutory services. And I, I don't know if other so people might be able it, to Is this something that. that's been further compounded by COVID, the impact of COVID, or has this, been, has this always been the case? I think there's always been a challenge in getting the right specialist services locally for young people who are on the spectrum, but I think COVID's compounded it. Yeah, so, I mean, I facilitate a support group called Spectrum Support for parents and carers of children who are autistic or have ADHD. Yeah, so we've had parents who've had the experience that Michelle was describing that, you know, they've been on the wait list for CAMS and sometimes the wait has been so long that their children and young people won't engage because, you know, the the trust has gone. They needed that help then and 
as far as they're concerned it took too long so they don't want to do it anymore but obviously you know with covid it's probably made it a lot worse and a lot harder i suppose as well because everything's virtual it's it's harder to to speak to somebody via a screen as well so i don't know how much of an impact that would have had but so how would you said obviously you've got the impact of covid and things have been delivered online how does that impact somebody um who is neurodivergent like how like you said that they've lost trust and it's harder to engage how would that actually happen on an online um i mean it depends on the on the person because you know a lot of people on the autism spectrum find it difficult to read body language and cues which can obviously be a lot more difficult via a screen because you got you can't always catch everything you know and especially if internet lags and things like that you know I've been on zoom and the person's you know if their wi-fi is slower they're talking and you're talking and you miss something and it's you know it's easy to miscommunicate certain things so I think that definitely does have an impact because it's harder to read someone's body language and if it's something that you're not good at in the first place or you struggle with in the first place it just makes it more difficult so my question what would you like to see I know so Michelle the point of today is you're wanting to build a case and show that this is um, a needed to establish um, the council that you're looking for so yeah what would you like to see and what would be optimal what would be work for you I think Working, obviously, with faces and having, you know, families referred into us for a variety of reasons. Yes. Um, but, yeah, we do have a lot of parents who call us up and say, I need support with my child or young person. And it's not something that we, you know, we're specialised in. So it's definitely showing that there is a need for more services to work with these children or young people you know a lot of the time it's helping them understand their diagnosis it's helping them understand who they are and how you know they can kind of understand themselves better so a service like with Bedford Open Door having a specialist counsellor to work with autistic young people would be ideal because it's then giving them that outlet to explore and understand themselves so what I'm interested in like again like to a five-year-old, because this, this is a very new area for me. I was actually on a um, clubhouse, there's an app called Clubhouse, um, and actually listening to an ADHD entrepreneur talk about, she, she was diagnosed very, very late, I think she's in her early 30s, and there were a number of entrepreneurs on this call who had also been diagnosed very, very late in life, which I was very surprised to hear. So when a child, a young person is diagnosed, what what does that look like and how what does that look like and what does it do for them then the reason i ask that question is just on this call where i'm listening to adults saying i had a diagnosis i I didn't take any medication and i just ignored it like it was it wasn't there so can you can you talk to somebody who how it would change somebody's life well i I think that you know uh, we were discussing prior about the lack of support for parents when they receive that diagnosis and the support is lacking for the young people especially if they are old enough to understand what that diagnosis is there's no one telling them this is what this is this is what it means for you and it also may explain why you have said done experienced x y and z yeah 
so I mean I can't sit here and say to you I think this is what they think because I'm you know I'm not neurodivergent as far as I'm aware <laughs> um, but I think that is where there is another gap that there is no service to help them navigate that so even as an adult being told that all your life you've had this diagnosis but you didn't receive it it must be you know like a piece of you has kind of been like ah there we go I get it now this is why I am the way I am but it doesn't seem to be something that they feel is necessary for young people especially you know if you're 12 or 13 you're old enough to understand that when, you're old when enough you to say explain they can you just that you said that they don't think they need who specifically sorry, my, uh, sorry. Um, so like the the practitioners the professionals who are providing these diagnoses so obviously if it's if they're if it's older people they go through cams now don't they and then the youngers go through uh, the cdc so yeah it's like you know the pediatricians the psychologists just giving young people the opportunity to understand the diagnosis themselves you know I was explaining to Michelle about some uh, packs that some of the paediatricians and health are putting together for ADHD to help explain, you know, so give some information about the diagnosis and where they can go to for support, which I think should be done for everything. Because as a standard, as a standard yeah, process. Yeah, and that, that's not happening at no, the moment. No, not, not, not as a, you know, not as a blanket commonplace thing. I think a lot of parents that we have worked with have said they've been given this diagnosis and said thank you and have a nice day. So then they're coming to us because they're struggling with understanding certain aspects of their child's diagnosis, navigating, you know, schools and what they're entitled to in terms of educational support. So it's literally you fight for the diagnosis, you're given the diagnosis, and then you're expected to, you know, navigate this world on your own. And it's, it's difficult, you know. I mean, obviously, that's part of the reason why we set our support group up, because when I was working with Faces, I was supporting various parents who'd just been given this diagnosis and didn't have a clue. They didn't know anybody with autistic children. They didn't know anything about autism. So I was going in just to be that bridge. And setting up the support group was about, you know, helping them to meet other parents and having a place where they can get that information. It almost feels like it's like, here you go, we can tell you what, what's wrong with you and you just off out into the world. How does yeah. that work? So Michelle, do you want to add anything to that? It's hugely challenging and I think there's... You, it's that sense of feeling adrift. You know, I remember when um, my daughter's diagnosis was given to me and the immediate thing from the consultant psychiatrist was, and we can give you medication for her. And I was like, well, no, I don't know that that's what I want for her. And I need to consider and I need to absorb the, the information that I've received and then think about the pathways forward. But that was it <laughs> then I was on my own so and I the spectrum group wasn't around at that time this was a, f- a few years ago but I think picking up on that point of it you know the diagnosis can be a positive thing in the sense that it can help t- the young person or if it's an adult receiving a diagnosis it can help them understand certain things and ways of behaving that you know p- perhaps have been put down as bad behavior or you know seen as a negative thing but actually for 
it may well be it's not to do with the individual it's to do with the environment that they've been in has not been suitable to meet their needs has not accommodated their needs has not been you know there's there's been a lack of awareness and understanding of the impact of maybe the lighting or sound or noise or you know some of the sensory impacts on young people with autism and that's one of the things that we really want to get young people involved in if we get this funding to help us develop the counselling environment so that it's really you know it, it meets the needs of a, a range of young people on the spectrum because for some you know certain sensory things may be helpful and for others it may be intimidating scary or make them anxious so listening to young people is is another key, key part of us developing this service and this is where I think the partnership working between Faces and Bedford Open Door and we go way back we you know we've we've had a long history of partnership working and there's a lot of trust between our organisations but I think what, what FACES are doing really well with, with the parent group is, um, you know, that that's fantastic. And then we can specialise with the young people's counselling service. And then there can be that cross sort of signposting between, between the organisations and to share that this is an opportunity to the parents that they might want to consider for their young people. So, so I can see, you know, that there's real potential for it to develop and, and, and to go beyond just our organisations, obviously, but it's a solid foundation. Um, for for the parents and children that we've got the two organisations working together. Certainly, the much needed foundation and partnership working. So, my question um, that I wanted to ask is just around schools because if you know children aren't at home, mm-hmm. they're at schools. I know what autism it is. I know what ADHD is, but they're just labels to me, and it almost sounds like. And this is just my take: is that somebody's just given given this diagnosis, which I'm referring to a label, but I don't mean like that. And then you're just left to kind of get on. Like, how are young people are supported in schools once they've had a diagnosis? My experience is it's very variable. It depends on the school, and it depends on it absolutely depends on the individual staff and the leadership of that school because. The difference in an outcome for a young person can be down to one person who that individual can, that individual child can build a trusting relationship with, and they can really be the key to you know the good or negative outcomes for that young person and it's about having consistency so where there's you know regular changes in staffing and inconsistency or if they suddenly decide to make changes in the environment it can have a huge impact on the young person I think and and we've got a variety of provision I mean that in terms of specialist schools locally in Bedford Borough a lot of young people are sent out of county so to Milton Keynes or into Leighton Buzzard or because we don't have the specialist provision in county so children young children are getting in taxis and going traveling for at least an hour each way to get to their school there are plans to build there are plans but those plans take are taking a long time and in the meantime you've also got schools that are attached to main, uh, provisions that are embedded in mainstream schools um, which are of variable uh, quality <laughs> I'm, I'm really i'm shocked that you've got a child that's had got, got a diagnosis coping well or not with that, that diagnosis and then having to travel and out like in terms of like obviously having to travel out of, out of county 
it has you know i've i've known some young people that that's been the case for because the provision they were in were unable to meet their needs because of you know behaviors and anxieties and things like that and as michelle said we just a lot of the schools are at capacity there's just nowhere else for them to go so that has been an option which it shouldn't be because i mean you know my son's autistic and he would never cope with driving an hour to and from school or whatever i mean he just about manages the 20 minute drive that he does now so i couldn't imagine having to do that you know every day but just going back to what you were saying about you know the diagnosis i think what a lot of parents need to know is that their child does not require a diagnosis to get educational support it is not you know all they have to do is show that there is a learning need regardless of what that is the school then has to put provisions in place so that they are able to access the curriculum. A lot of parents do believe that if they don't have this diagnosis, their child is not entitled to support, and that's not the case. So if I'm a parent, mm-hmm. as I've shown you today, like I know very little. So I'm worried about my child. He's not engaging, yeah. you know, has additional needs, but he's been labelled in school a difficult, naughty child. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give a parent... Who, who, who has that, this concern but knows that their child is struggling um, I would my first uh, I would first suggest having a conversation with the school speaking to the SENCO and seeing if you can put together some type of plan together and then if you know if that doesn't you know if they're not able to to see what you see then maybe speak to SENDIAS at Bedford Borough and see if they're able to offer any type of support just you know in terms of what you can do or you know liaising with the school or something but just don't give up because that's your child and you know you obviously want the best educational outcomes for them and they're entitled to that education no matter what it looks like and that support is there schools do have budgets available to offer that support so yeah to add to that, there's the Bedford Borough Parent Carer Forum who can offer a lot of advice and information to parents at different points in in their journey with their child. And they've recently been offering actual support for, for parents in terms of during lockdown, doing therapeutic sort of groups online, art therapy, uh, mindfulness and that sort of thing to extend in their remit beyond what they've done in the past because um, lockdown significantly impacted on children, young people and parents with um, special educational needs and disabilities. So so they're there. And also in terms of what might be available online, if people like to look things up on websites, the Bedford Borough Local Offer website's got quite a lot of information about different organisations and different services. And the Young Minds website's good as well. And then obviously you've got specialist websites like autism beds and, and places like that but the local offer website in Bedford Borough is particularly good because they do have a lot of information in one place. So I know you spoke about with parents you know if they've got a concern speak to the schools same code don't give it up but what if you're a young person living um, sorry listening to this conversation where would they go where where should they they start if this was something that they were looking into themselves let's say where could they go i think you know obviously speaking to their parents would be the first port of call and then maybe going to see their gp because the gps can make the referrals 
Um, obviously, if they're school age, the schools will need to provide like an assessment to support, you know, evidence building for this diagnosis. And obviously, you know, if they have someone that they trust at the school, then they can speak to to that person. And again, they can make the referral on their behalf. So, yeah, basically just speak to a trusted adult, I think, would be the best way for them. And then, so I've got another question. As somebody, so I'm a youth worker, I do detached and outreach work. So for me, I'm, I'm really shocked when you said that there are children with ADHD autism that are being having to travel outside of the county to go to school so the first thing that went in through my mind was county lines and being exposed to situations because I've seen a number of situations so just for me as a youth worker and other people who are in the community and see a lot of things that are happening what should we be looking for or be aware of with young people who who may be newer, newer divergent and need help. I think in terms of the schools, if they're going to school out of county, generally the local authority will provide a taxi for them so they're not going on trains on their own, they're supported with an escort in the taxi okay. um, so they're not you know, being sent off to Milton Keynes on a bus. So I think in terms of the risk of you know, un- grooming and, and, and county lines and all of those things, they are a significant risk to all of our young people, as we know, in our local area. But I think in terms of the schools and that transportation, that that is all safeguarded and properly organised and, you know, parents and the local authorities work together and to make sure that the needs of their individual children are met in that transport process. So, um, so I, I wouldn't have a concern about the safeguarding with that. But I think uh, there's a bigger issue around vulnerable young people and county lines. That's probably a whole nother podcast. Um, but yeah, there, there's there's definitely um, you know concerns around unscrupulous people targeting vulnerable young people and young people with autism or neurodivergent can fall into that. It's not always that case, but it can happen. But can I do one thing? Can I just say, I would really like to say that young people with autism and children with autism and those who are on the neurodivergent spectrum have so much potential, have... I can be joyful and full of, um, you know, as with any young person, you know. So I really have a passion that we don't compartmentalise young people on the spectrum and say it's a problem, they've got issues, it's a burden. Uh, You know, because for me, it's really important that we see their potential, Potential. we enable their potential, we support them with their hopes and dreams and opportunities and put in place what they might need and coming from them, what they feel they need not what we think they need and and give them that opportunity to flourish and and recognize that they have absolutely the potential to flourish and I think that's a really important thing in any conversation because it's too easy to say they've got issues and problems and and that's yeah. that's that's a sort of a, a way that I, yeah, I I'm challenged by by it. services <laughs> is the way they are because people are always addressing the problem mm. you've got this that to my mind so yeah that's mm. really And that's where the counselling comes in because it enables the young person to explore their dreams and their potential and their hope alongside exploring the difficulties. Wow, I'm looking forward to having this funding. (laughs) So much needed. So, closing out, so I think Michelle said it all there really, Mm -hmm. but like, 
what would it mean for you if Bedford Open Door are successful with this funding and being able to have a specialised councillor come on board? What yeah. would it mean to you? Well, I mean, from a services perspective, it's it would definitely make such a, a huge difference because, you know, at least from a FACES point of view, we could actually signpost them somewhere where we know they're going to get support within, you know, a, a specific time frame. But also, you know, as Michelle said, it, it would a- enable us to work with the families as a whole rather than just supporting the parents because we don't really get to meet their young people because, you know, obviously they're in schools and things. But, you know, it would enable us to say, right, well, we've had this conversation with you. We feel that this might be really good for you and your and your child for me personally obviously I mean my son he's he's got higher needs and things so he's uh, he wouldn't be able to engage in any type of counseling but I think even still it's something that is definitely needed it's you know it's coming up so often you know there are so many people on all of the spectrums that are struggling with various aspects of life at the moment just you know, with anxieties and, you know, being in school one minute and being at home the next and everything's closed. And I think it definitely would make a huge difference. Yeah, well, I think I think the case could not have been uh, put better and proof that this is needed and support. So ending words for you, Michelle? Yeah, well, just thank you. It's been great to have this opportunity and um, it was great to see the the children and families doing their artwork today, expressing their, you know, their different experiences of hope and, and, you know, hopes and fears, really. Um, So we've worked with an art therapist today and we'll be building on that to further engage with more parents and more children to evidence the need for this important service. So thank you.